Welcome to Voices for the New Age with your hosts, Juno Botan and Steve Sokolow. Each week, our show explores topics you've wanted to hear about with a focus on better health, wise leadership, and spiritual connections to help both your personal and professional life. Now, here is Juno Wotan and Steve Sokolow. Good afternoon. You're listening to Voices for the New Age here on voiceamerica.com. I'm Juno Wotan, and with me here is my co-host, Dr. Steve Sokolow. Welcome. Hi, Steve. And we're going to be taking calls today, and we'd love to hear from you. And the number is 866-472-5788. And this week's program will let you know how clairvoyant angelic healing can change your life. It's a modality in which angels provide insights into the emotional, mental, or spiritual causes of a person's disease. And when you connect to the root cause of your problem and realize the unresolved conflicts and traumas from this life and past lives relating to your disease, you begin to heal at a soul level, and often the physical symptoms disappear. Clairvoyant angelic healing can also release negative patterns passed down from ancestors from generation to generation and thereby enable you to have a higher awareness and make healthier choices. Our guests today are Peter G. Selby, who is a clairvoyant angelic healer and medical intuitive with over four decades of experience, and his wife, Ann Selby, who is an intuitive counselor. And together, they conduct private sessions, workshops, and lectures on clairvoyant angelic healing. It's an honor and privilege to welcome you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you, Juna and Steve, for giving us this uh, opportunity to uh, present this modality. It's a great modality. Go ahead. Oh, uh, and so what is uh, clairvoyant angelic healing? Okay, it's, it's literally, it is a modality that is from the angels down to the human being in a way that, that works to get the energy flowing better in the body. And energy brings blood and health. So when there's a deficient energy, there's a deficient circulation, there's deficient vitality, and the angels are masters at addressing issues in bite-sized pieces, I might say, that um, affect the way energy flows in the body. And so you're talking about energy. So is that like the same as if like the yoga people talk about prana or the Tai Chi people talk about chi? Is that what you're talking about? I think it is. Essentially, energy is energy is energy in the body. It's vitality, it's flow, it's source connection. And the human being is literally designed to be derived from source. So we could say we're vertical beings. And uh, so when we're connected to source, the energy flows into us effectively if we're in the center. But there's a catch. Most people are not centered on source. And I think that's symbolized by the tree of life uh, symbol. So... Um, Well, we might say angels are very interested in people understanding what it is they're asking to be healed. So they give us a background. It's kind of like peeking behind the curtain with disease or things that are not working in someone's life, such as prosperity or poor relations or patterns of poor relationships. Then they show what's keeping us from having our fullness in what we're creating in life. And once we understand what they're showing, and I draw a picture of everything that Peter is guided to see clairvoyantly so that we're literally on the same page. Once they come through with all of their information, then the person, the client can ask uh, knowledgeably, if this is true, then yes, so be the healing of this. If it's true, if it serves my highest good, if, it, if it's in God's will, then yes. And that's sufficient to trigger angel action for healing. And they, as I say, they seem to work in bite-sized pieces. And I don't know why, but I think they want people to stay and focus on what they present. And so we have found that it doesn't really uh, work to be 
in uh, a, a broad sweep of intention, like, please, angels, heal this, and then I remain ignorant. They want <laughs> me to understand what's going on in my case with my consciousness. And, and so the angels will give us references to the I Ching or also uh, Tarot archetypes or Tree of Life archetypes or whatever. And they'll, they'll help us understand through different references what's happening. Without revealing anything confidential, can you describe one of your most successful sessions? Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> we just have to choose which one. <laughs> okay. Maybe Mr. Winslow. Okay, well, uh, this was fascinating. I just want to say that the human energy system functions best when it is aligned vertically. And we had a client who had what is called a ghost attachment or a disincarnate attachment. And this is somebody who has died, but was, you could say, in the process of crossing over, a part of themselves stayed behind. Perhaps they were distracted by a certain concern. And we literally think this is a fraction of a person in most cases um, that they don't cross over fully. But in any case, it's parasitic in effect. And so we treated a man who had a failed shoulder, shoulder surgery. And he, I'll just read his testimony um, because it's, it's kind of succinct. Surgery to replace my right shoulder joint proved more difficult than expected, and a second surgery was scheduled. I heard about Peter Skip with angelic healing, and though I was somewhat skeptical, made an appointment. Peter and Anne are wonderful people, and their home is lovely and serene. The session was quite different from anything I had experienced, quite enjoyable and illuminating. I gained nearly complete range of motion and more strength. My shoulder structure was truly healed. I followed up with exercises to keep the improvement, and I can do all the things I have enjoyed, less tangible but equally profound. I felt a lighter, better, uh, different to be a lighter, uh, a different, better, lighter person, and that sense has stayed with me ever since. Peter's gift and the angelic healing are a real blessing. I am grateful and humbled by it. So that's an example of, of somebody who's surgeon also, in the middle of his surgery, he just, he said, there's not enough tissue here to attach this prosthesis. And he just decided to go back another time after a three-month interval and try again. But here he was, um, having received a lot of physical therapy in this interim, and he came to see us, but he couldn't raise his arm more than just so high. And so... Which is about what degree? Uh, maybe 110 degrees. And it was really a hard, stuck feeling. In any case, the example is we saw, through the angel's guidance, the attachment of his mother's disincarnate presence. And so she had stayed with him from the time she died when he was 21. And Mike was 64, I think, when we saw him. So he was, he'd had his mother's attachment over many, many years. And that's a key point. People need to remember that when somebody is attached to them as a disincarnate presence, it can last for years and years and years. So um, it's quite interesting. But uh, how do they... Uh, how did they become attached? We think it's through some kind of focus, and the focus may be positive or it may be negative. I have an example of the first time I ever saw a person with a disincarnate, and it was quite dramatic. And her her head was laid onto her shoulder, um, and she'd been that way for three, four and a half years, and that's called a, a kind of torticollis. Um, so she'd seen chiropractors, neurologists, she'd seen all manner of uh, medical professionals, and nobody could figure out why her head was in this weird position. I didn't even know this person. I was working at MIT. It was the first day of my clairvoyance. And I actually, the first words I said to her as she walked into the room were, uh, who's that? So it was a question. And she said, who's who? And I said, well, there's this man standing next to you and his head is laid onto his shoulder and, you're, and there's a tube out of his neck into your neck. Now, this was a negative attachment because 
this lady had been molested by him when she was 16 or so. And so I think guilt is what connected them. And I think her, her father was trying to get her attention. And, and perhaps his guilt connected them. But I'll just say this. The second that we called on Archangel Michael and we released, and I did that intuitively because at that stage, I didn't know a lot about angels. So we called on Archangel Michael. We gave back to her father what belonged to him, took back to her what belonged to her by declaration, asked Michael to remove the ghost, and her head went and popped up, and she gained 95 degrees of neck rotation. She had zero before. Her head was just laid on her shoulder, and the only thing she could do was just turn her head to the right, sort of pathetically. But she had no left rotation. And can you imagine after four and a half years that she had that much movement suddenly appear? And no atrophy at all. And no residual. She was completely resolved in her, in her deformity. And to answer your question a little bit further about how do they attach or why did they attach, in Mike's case, the man with the failed uh, shoulder surgery, when his mother was dying from cancer, she told his father, her husband, I'm peaceful with going, I've accepted it, but I do worry about my youngest, Michael. And we think, because he was able to share that story with us, that that's why part of her remained behind. And, uh, and even though it was benevolent, wanting to be uh, in care of him, it's still when there's something in our energy field which surrounds the physical body and interpenetrates it, it's parasitic. And so with the release of that ghost attachment, he was able to regain full shoulder use. Right on the spot, like literally. He was able to move his arm flawlessly. He was, as he said in his testimony, he went and he just continued to strengthen, but he he had a dramatic improvement after a lot of therapy, which did not yield any really um, appreciable results in terms of how he was able to move his arm. Well, do you feel as though that there's a soul contract uh, that that um, that was made that he at some at some level he was okay with this, or you know it was agreeing to this? I don't know that there's so much uh, an idea of soul contract in this specific case because it it happens. Maybe there is a soul contract in that when you pass on, a part of you will remain and I'll have to figure it out. I don't know. We don't. I, I think that's speculation. However, in the first, I mean, in the second example I gave with a father who attached to his daughter um, out of guilt. That was a pretty dramatic, um, I don't think they had a soul contract. I think she actually, she, she said contemptuously, be gone. And she, she had no love for, as far as I could tell, in, in the emotions. That and, mm-hmm. and then the, to understand why her head was in that position, literally laying on her right shoulder, he had died because he fell off of the uh, home garage roof. And this is shocking, fell on a pipe and his head was severed. Oh. And so when Peter said, who is that? And his head is on his shoulder, just like yours is. She went, oh, it's my father. And I had never connected the dots between now, but just one week after his passing, I woke up with my head in this position and it's been four and a half years. Can you imagine? The angels are always telling a story as to why we are having whatever difficulty or inabilities that we're doing. They're telling us why. And once they show the reason, they then work to heal it. Uh Uh, So how many angels do you uh, work with at a time? We, we are the generic angel healers. We typically don't call, well, people have a variety of numbers of angels. We've never seen people with less than three angels, and we've seen people with more than 40. So uh, we invoke them generally. We just, we don't get too carried away with specifics. 
we invoke the holy angels that are, so we, we say we invoke your holy guardian angels and we call on God's holy presence to guide us and unveil our eyes as to what's going on. That's as specific as we get in general, although um, many times we'll call on specific archangels and so that's what to do the healing to itself. do the healing exactly. Uh, wow. Uh, and so we're going to have to take a quick break. And okay. so um, our guests today are Peter Selby, who's a clairvoyant angelic healer and medical intuitive, and his wife, Ann Selby, who is an intuitive counselor. And we're also taking calls today, and we'd love to hear from you. And if you have a question for Ann or Peter, uh, uh, please give us a call. The number is 866-472-5788. And um, Steve, did you, you did you want to say anything uh, right before well, our quick break? I just want to mention that I have known Peter and Ann for 20 years, and I've been honored not only to be treated by them and the angels and as members of my, also members of my family, but I have witnessed uh, somewhere between 30 and 40 of their healing sessions personally. And um, I just want to test that everything they are sharing, is absolute truth and uh, the stories they have if we had uh, hours and hours uh, uh, justify all the things that they're sharing with our audience well great okay and so there's more to come uh we're going to take a, a short break and we'll be uh, right back with peter and ann selby Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What if you could feel better about yourself? Is it time to change your life's direction? Juno Wotan offers in-person or remote astrology readings and karmic healing sessions, classes, and workshops. These are all designed to give you a better sense of well-being and fulfillment. You'll benefit from the support and guidance to relieve stress, get unstuck, gain confidence, and more. Reach out to Juna through her website at Junaverse.com or via email to Junawotan at me.com. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Dr. Stephen Sokolow is the director of the Center for Empowered Leadership. CFEL offers executive and leadership coaching, as well as leadership training and development. Visit CFEL.org to find out more. Dr. Sokolow is available for seminars, workshops, retreats, and speaking engagements. You can also visit the website to purchase top-selling books, join networking opportunities, and a lot more. Contact Dr. Stephen Sokolow at slsokolow at aol.com or through the Center for Empowered Leadership website at cfel.org. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Voices for the New Age. To reach the live show, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to junawotan at me.com. Now, back to Voices for the New Age. Here again is Juno Wotan and Steve Sokolow. You're listening to Voices for the New Age. I'm Juna Wotan, and my co-host is Dr. Steve Sokolow. And our guests today are Peter 
Selby, who is a clairvoyant angelic healer and medical intuitive, and his wife, Ann Selby, who is an intuitive counselor. Welcome back. And so we've been talking about uh, the angelic healing process. And so um, uh, how can our ancestors have a negative influence on our lives? It's, it's the effect of their consciousness is in continuity with ours through our DNA and through our vibration. We share the same field of mind at a certain level. And so we're all connected, you know, inside our genetic uh, tree to others. And so our minds naturally resonate to certain patterns that, and the angels are big on addressing pattern energies. Um, well, so, can you can you explain what what are pattern energies? Can you just give us an example? Yeah. So everything that happens tends to happen again. Okay, unless you're conscious and you don't want it to. But so if you are mean and cruel, um, unless you do something to change that habit, that gets passed down as a kind of like you could say all the people that that uh, experience that in you will tend to be changed by that, whether they're like, I never want to be mean and cruel or whatever it is, that, that is that is an energy. But what we've seen is that the energy itself, that pattern can actually, when you say, I don't want to be like my so-and-so relative, my mother, my father, my great-grandfather, whatever, that's fine. But it does it does have an influence unless you clear it. And so... Um, there are a lot of therapies that are designed to clear that kind of energy, uh, family constellation therapy, and a lot of different things. And I think the answer is the more conscious you are of the influence, the less, if you if you will, uh, the less subject to it you'll be as long as you are clear as to what your relationship to that energy is. So... Can you give us an example of somebody who worked with? Um, let's just see. Well, in the case of um, the um, the person that we we gave the example of, who had the her father's ghost. I mean, she was highly traumatized by his his um, molesting her, and that 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 was I I suppose she had to really be clear that that trauma was not going to change the way she saw or relate it to the world around her. So I think that was a wonderful healing. Um, I have another example that's kind of a striking one that also occurred on the first day that I, that I um, became clairvoyant. The first client who came that day was a man that uh, was a graduate student at MIT and he booked an appointment in a sane mind. Because the night before, Peter was a guest lecturer at MIT on energy medicine. So he has been a physical therapist all this time and has studied broadly the physical um, system. That's true. I, I trained as a physical therapist. In fact, that's how I really expanded my ability as a, to, to relate to angels because I learned the feeling of energy through my my practice of craniosacral therapy and helping to unwind the body um, through um, countless hours of, of hands-on healing. So he gives this lecture and people signed up to work with him the next day. And the first client that appears the next morning after having been perfectly normal, making the uh, appointment the night before shows up he is completely out of his mind. He's, he's not coherent. He's sputtering, cursing. And so the thing that was really gripping him was visible to me for the first time ever in my career. And it looked like a gargoyle on his right shoulder with a tube into the side of his head. That was a pretty shocking visual image. And um, the first thing that I reflexively did, which was the beginning of my working with angels, was I, I realized that that was a spiritual influence, and I called on Archangel Michael. Now, the interesting thing is that his response to that was to address the angel, not me. 
he said, oh, like I'm scared. And he was looking over my left shoulder. And so he clearly, the demon saw the angel show up and basically spent about 10 minutes taunting the angel, claiming that he was uh, in the, that the demon was possessing this man and claiming ownership of him. And then all of a sudden the demon said, hey, that's no fair, I'm out of here and disappeared. And I imagine the angel went something like this and unveiled his presence to the demon and the demon fled in absolute terror. And that was, I was like, hey, if you can do that, I'm going to work with you, please. So this demon had been present in this young man's field for a number of years. The story like goes seven years. Seven years. How, did, how did it get there? Um, I think he was in a negative funk around life itself. He, he suffered, he explained, from suicidal obsession. And when the entity attached to him, he became fixated on the idea that he had seven years. And I think those seven years had come to the end and the clock had gone bing. And then um, he was left with this desperate um, uh, desire to live. Well, actually, in this case, I think preoccupation or focus on suicide. So it was a suicidal obsession. And so when the demon was removed, no more food for, uh, and his obsession was healed, no more food for the demon. So this brings up an important point. We attract the entities through our mind states. And that is what the angels seek to unveil, is how our minds vibrate. And there's a poem by Nicholas Rorick that I think is very, very significant. And basically, it basically alludes to the fact that our minds attract the entities or create them. And then he says, um, my boy, remember the command not to fear life and to believe, to remain strong and free. And then thou wilt attain to love. The dark creatures do not thrive under this. They wither and perish then. So Nicholas Rorick wrote this in 1931. He was a Russian mystic. And I came to this poem by walking in the Rorick Museum in New York City. And I just opened a drawer and pulled out a book. And there was this poem. And I went, bingo, that's, that's it. That's how it works. So the pattern energy from uh, previous lineage can be passed down. If someone is super negative or has a traumatic experience, and never quite recovers from it, that energy can be passed down. And each of us come in to heal our past, whether it's a past life or past in this lifetime, we come to heal our past in order to be the creator beings we were born to be in the now. And we think each generation is given the opportunity to upgrade how the last generation did it. And that's why I think there's this uh, great opportunity around generational healing to upgrade the pattern. And the pattern is the energy of how it was done by um, people without sufficient awareness to let the, to pass on a positive trait. Well, you trained at uh, Peter, you, you trained and worked as a physical therapist. How did that lead to you becoming clairvoyant? Okay, succinctly said, I had a lot of experience touching people and their bodies responded through movement. And I learned to anticipate that because I could feel the energy moving when I touched them and then their bodies followed suit. And I would often position myself because I could feel that they were about to roll off the plinth, the treatment table, and I would let go of them and go to the side. I could feel they were going to roll off the table and I would be there to catch them and help them down to the floor. That happened very, countless very times. Gently. I used to call it the magic carpet experience because when I would work with people, I started to float in their energy movement. Like I could just feel the energy was, it was like I was on a magic carpet and I could feel what their body was actually doing. And so I hope that's a, a, an indication of the process and what educated me to the feeling of energy. Angels picked up on that. I feel the angels and I follow the, the way they move my energy because that's how I learned it 
as a physical therapist handling bodies. I learned it by handling bodies that responded to the energy that was loosed and learned. So our, our work is done mostly over the internet. Rarely do we see an in-person client. So to use Zoom, I'll stand across the room from Peter with my notebook and my drawing. And he uses my physical form for the angels to show the energy of the person that we're working with. We're not trying to work with someone through the computer screen. No. And so the angels, when Peter invokes them, they start moving his head, opening his third eye and using it as a drawer. And I call it steerage. It's as though they had their hands on my head and they're turning me, look to the right, look to the left. And we work a lot with the tree of life uh, as a symbol and they'll show me where the tree of life is positioned relative to the person's physical center. And um, um, Can you explain what the tree of life is uh, for those who might not know what that is? Yes, I'll show a picture of it first. Uh, but um, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're uh, even though we're recording on Zoom, we're, uh, people are mostly listening to us. Okay, well, the tree of life is basically a glyph, a complex symbol with a lot of meaning in it. Um, and I think it stands for how God meets man, how God energy fits on the human energy system. And it has built into it yang and yin and non-dual symbols. So a pillar to the side, which indicates yang supply, yang source, and a, a pillar to the opposite side, which indicates yin source, and then the body in the middle, um, ideally, which indicates non-dual. And so the tree of life is a symbol of how you relate to God as a whole energy support system. And it turns out that most people are not centered on source. Years ago, I was given the ability to see the tree of life. And I've been learning about the um, consequences of it being positioned as it is over all these years. And there's a consistent uh, factor. When you're off-centered. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, please go on. I just noticed that we have a caller. Oh, great. Okay. Well, I'll just um, wait for that call to be taken, and I'll answer what questions they have. Wonderful. And it looks like we have uh, Debbie from Philadelphia calling. My, I'll, That's where I grew up, outside in Bryn Mawr. Oh, wonderful. Hi, Debbie. Hello. Can you hear Hi. me? Yeah, yeah, loud and clear. Do you have a question for uh, Peter and Anne? I really do. I'm, I'm so enjoying the program. And um, so just a little background. I've always felt a really deep connection to, like, my maternal female lineage, my grandmother, my mother, my sister, all of whom have passed. Um, and my mother's sister, my aunt, is still with us. And so her caretaking has, has I, I'm in charge of her caretaking. So she has, she has some physical issues. She's got problems with her eyes. She's got problems with her legs. And I'd say over the past year, um, I had cataract surgery on my left eye, and it kind of went sideways, so my vision in my left eye has been impacted. Um, I'm developing issues with my knees, and I keep wondering, am I taking on my aunt's, you know, my aunt's physical issues? It's, it's really kind of, um, it, it's kind of startling to me because I've never had these problems before, so what what are your insights on that? Well, without knowing specifically, I couldn't say exactly until I was actually working with you. But let's just say there's a, a way that people bring their energy into influence your body through the way that their energy is set up. And we call that a tube or a cord. And it is responsible for endless amounts of unhappiness in relationships and Tubes or cords are essentially symbols of codependency. And sharing of energy. A tube goes both ways. But there's also, certainly you can resonate with another person. If you're a caregiver, you're probably more than empathic. 
and perhaps you found this to be true earlier in your life as well. So yes, to be um, next to someone so much and be their caregiver, you can certainly resonate and vibrate with the energies that are disturbing them. And we might say another way that the angels communicate with us about people's um, complexities energetically is through the planetary archetypes. And I'll just say this. There's the symbol of sun and moon as the beginning of your objective and subjective nature. And moon sometimes is positioned in such a way to be a satellite dish to the outer world, whereas moon's original position, ideal position, is protected by your objectivity from the world around you. Some people have, by nature, excessive sensitivity to the world around them, and that causes endless amounts of grief. It can cause fatigue and taking on symptoms and being over-identified with people whose problems are literally not your problems, but you you empathize. It's sort of an image of excessive empathy when moon replaces sun in the outer world. That's something that the angels point to. I'm sorry, but uh, we're going to have to take a a break. And so uh, thank you, Debbie, for calling in. And um, our guest today uh, have been Peter Selby, who's a clairvoyant angel healer, and his wife, Anne, who's an intuitive counselor. And how can people contact you? Okay. Um, On our website, our website is youangelyou.com. And they also can send an email to youangelyou, that's just Y-O-U-A-N-G-E-L-Y-O-U, at gmail.com. And so we'll respond to anybody's <clears throat> inquiry or request for work or whatever. And so you can read about us. Thank you so much for uh, being here today. And sure. so we're going to take a quick break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. What if you could feel better about yourself? Is it time to change your life's direction? Juno Wotan offers in-person or remote astrology readings and karmic healing sessions, classes, and workshops. These are all designed to give you a better sense of well-being and fulfillment. You'll benefit from the support and guidance to relieve stress, get unstuck, gain confidence, and more. Reach out to Juna through her website at Juniverse.com or via email to Junawotan at me.com. Listen for Go to Health Radio, featuring host Jonathan Marks and health experts from around the world who bring evidence-based education from Western, alternative, and holistic practices. We bring together you, seeking relevant and proven information for your healthcare needs and reputable healthcare experts and companies who offer quality education for your benefit. Monthly, we also share continuing education for medical professionals. Listen live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Variety. Dr. Stephen Sokolow is the director of the Center for Empowered Leadership. CFEL offers executive and leadership coaching as well as leadership training and development. Visit CFEL.org to find out more. Dr. Sokolow is available for seminars, workshops, retreats, and speaking engagements. You can also visit the website to purchase top-selling books, join networking opportunities, and a lot more. Contact Dr. Stephen Sokolow at slsokolow at aol.com or through the Center for Empowered Leadership website at cfel.org. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Voices for the New Age. To reach the live show, please call in to 1-866-472-5788. 
That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to junowotan at me.com. Now, back to Voices for the New Age. Here again is Juno Wotan and Steve Sokolow. Welcome back to Voices for the New Age. I'm Dr. Steve Sokolow, here with my host, uh, Juna Wotan. Juna, what's in the stars for us this week? Well, on Monday, we're going to have a beautiful full moon in Pisces. And full moons usually bring an ending, a culmination, a completion of some sign. And uh, right before the Pisces full moon on Monday, it falls uh, right after the communication planet Mercury makes a harmonious angle to good luck planet Jupiter. So this lunation is related to optimism, good fortune, and positive news. And so I'll go through all the signs and tell you how this moon will influence you. Aries, you may want to take some extra downtime this week for the full moon will shine in your privacy sector. It's a good time to balance rest with activity. A health matter could come to light and an invitation to gather with kindred spirits may come your way. Taurus, socializing may be your focus next week for the full moon will shine in your 11th house of friendships. A friendship may move away or get married and change the dynamic of your relationship. Or you may be given an opportunity to climb the ladder of success. Gemini, your career may be in the spotlight next week, where the full moon will energize your 10th house of honor and achievement. You may receive kudos for a job well done or gain an impressive client if you're self-employed. An opportunity to travel may arrive courtesy of lucky Jupiter. Cancer, personal growth will be the theme of next week, for the full moon on Monday will shine in your ninth house of adventure. You may be completing an educational course, returning home from a trip, or ending a legal matter. You may hear news about an inheritance or insurance claim. Leo, transformation will be the theme of next week for Monday's full moon will help you have a profound revelation and release old emotional baggage if you're in therapy or get rid of the stuff in your house that you can't use or you may need to settle an outstanding debt. Virgo, relationships will take center stage next week for the full moon will activate your partnership sector. If you're dating, you may be making a commitment, or if you've been in a serious relationship, you may be ready to get engaged, or you may be forming a new personal or business partnership. Libra, your focus may be on wrapping up a work project next week, or there may be a change in your work environment, for the full moon will energize your job sector. A coworker may leave and your responsibilities may change. An opportunity to socialize will open the door to meet exciting new people. And Scorpio, love will be in the air next week. For the full moon will sail through your fifth house of fun and romance. If you're dating, you can meet someone special. And if you're already partnered, you'll want to plan to do something pleasurable or entertaining. Shopping will bring you a good deal or a bargain. Sagittarius, your personal life will need your attention next week. For the full moon will nest in your domestic sector. You may be buying or selling your house, moving, finishing a renovation, or settling a family problem. And opportunities to socialize will expand your circle of friends. Capricorn, you'll be likely, you'll likely be as busy as a bee next week and maybe maybe pulled in a million directions, so it's best to sit, stay focused. You may be completing a writing project or a course of study, and if you've had a misunderstanding with your brother or sister, you'll have a chance to reconnect and make up. Aquarius, the full moon on the 20th in your second house of earned income will impact your finances. You may have an increase or de- decrease in earnings, or you may be making a major purchase. An opportunity to get your message out into the media may come your way. Pisces, something close to your heart will come to fruition this week, for the full moon in Pisces will light up your first house of personality. You may receive good news about a loan or mortgage, and it's a good time to reevaluate your appearance and priorities. And so that's it for next week's full moon. And so now uh, we have... Uh, Steve is going to give us some tips on empowered leadership. And so, uh, wise leaders fight for what's right. Why is that a tricky business? 
It, it's a tricky business, <laughs> Juna and our listeners, be, uh, even more than it has been historically, because we're living in a divided nation right now. And people are seeing the world through two very different lenses. I actually heard a news commentator last night said that she thought we were almost living in two different universes. So what you see as right, others see as wrong. And as passionately as you are about what you feel is right, that's how passionately they feel that what you're seeing is wrong. So my suggestion is, Remember that as a leader, you are responsible for other people. And if you keep in focus what will be right for them as you lead, that will help you sort that out. That's interesting. Well, have you found that the right path is usually the more difficult one? I sure have. Uh, The right path seems to have a lot of obstacles and very strong opposition. In some respects, the right path is the higher path. Um, It's the harder path. Uh, Reminds me uh, of the phrase, the road, you're taking the road less traveled, uh, which is a paraphrase of of Robert Frost. And uh, that uh, road less traveled is a, uh, tends to be a difficult path because you're going against conventional wisdom. That, and much more probably, right? <laughs> For because sure. it has to do be, uh, because uh, when you're standing alone, when you're not going with the group mind or what uh, people's ex- expectations of you, uh, it takes a lot of courage, right? It takes a lot of courage. And as a leader, you tend to see a little further than most people can see. And so what you're, the direction that you're leading can be somewhat scary because you're leading people into an unknown until they can see that what, where you're leading them is actually good for them and good for the organization. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of difficulty um, inherent in that process. And so... Do wise leaders have to be prepared to pay a price for their pursuit of righteous ends? I believe that's absolutely true. Um, When I do seminars and lectures on wise leadership, I tell people leadership is not for the faint of heart um, or people who have thin skin because uh, you may be attacked Uh, for the leadership positions that you're taking. Um, At the very least, you'll be attacked verbally, but you may even be attacked physically. Uh, There are leaders who've actually been assassinated. Um, I witnessed many years ago, I was in a uh, uh, setting, uh, we were having a large group meeting with members of the public, And someone was so upset, they hurled a tomato across the room that splashed on the uh, superintendent of schools, uh, ruining his suit, uh, tomato all over his face in the middle of his presentation. And uh, I I mean, it was a shocking thing. I mean, obviously, a tomato won't kill you, but it's, it's a very disruptive, unpleasant thing to happen. Sometimes leaders are penalized financially for the positions uh, that they're taking. Um, In my own case, uh, I had a cross burned on my lawn. Uh, I had a beer bottle thrown through a glass window and broke it and came into my living room when my family was there. So um, you can be attacked. and you have to be prepared for that when you're uh, working as and, a leader. And what were you proposing? Well, we were proposing a uh, redistricting. Um, in one case, it was it was changing which schools people would go to. In other case, it was the, it was the midst of negotiations with a labor union. Right. And so, uh, would you say that people, uh, you know, uh, 
in our culture, everything is about change and something new. But the truth is, people don't really like to change. Do you find that to be true? I do. I mean, they um, change makes people nervous because the st- you get used to the status quo. And if you're going to have a change, you don't know whether it's going to affect you positively or negatively. You don't know whether you can be successful um, with respect to whatever change is being proposed. So it is unnerving. And so as a leader, uh, trying to create a culture where people are open to change and ultimately embracing change is one of the challenges of wise leadership. And why must wise leaders protect their people from negative energy and undue pressure? There's a lot of negative energy um, and toxic energy uh, in the world. And uh, so people who are uh, forming opposition will go for the weakest link. They will go for the people who are the most vulnerable. And as a leader, you need to be aware that there are people you are responsible for. They're your charges. And you need to take uh, actions and steps to protect as many people as you can from the negative energy that they're going to encounter. Wow. How, How do you plan for that? You can anticipate that um, certain decisions will incur um, wrath or greater levels of negative energy because you you have a sense of uh, how it will affect people and how they may they might perceive it, um, and so you can plan for it by um, preparing people for what may unfold and making sure they have the best information um, possible to explain why whatever change it is you are fostering um, will ultimately be good, even though it may make some people very nervous. And so what is your rule of thumb to identify wise leadership? I have a simple rule of thumb. It's the rule of four rights. Do the right things as a leader. Do them in the right way. Do them at the right time and do them for the right reasons. And if you do those things, people will consider you, in effect, a very wise leader. Wonderful. Thank you. That was Dr. Steve Sokolow. And you've been listening to Voices for the New Age here on voiceamerica.com. Steve and I will be back next week with musician, laughter meditation practitioner, and celestial soundscape recording artist, Laraji. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for tuning in this week to Voices for the New Age. Please join your hosts, Juno Botan and Steve Sokolow, next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We can't wait to share more about your better self next week. <laughs>